All right, I'm going to talk about something today that um, I think for a lot of people, especially people that are maybe new to Messianic Judaism, um, grew up in a church environment, maybe a confusing topic. So in this week, <laughs> in this week's Torah portion, we're introduced to the laws to the laws of kosher. Now, um, if you don't know what the laws of kosher are or what that means, what it means is uh, the laws that uh, tell you, according to the Torah, what foods are clean, which in Hebrew is tahor, and unclean, uh, in Hebrew that's tumeh. So clean and unclean foods, and that's become, uh, in Judaism, it's, it's, it's become known as the laws of kashrut, or kosher, uh, even though in the scripture it's not called kosher. Uh, it's called clean and unclean. Um, but the word kosher has evolved in Judaism to talk about what is acceptable to eat because the word kosher means fit or proper. Uh, so uh, it's become what is fit and proper to eat. And there's a lot of discussion about the kosher laws. So when I say the kosher laws, I'm talking about the laws in the Bible, about the animals that are uh, clean to eat, and the animals that are not clean to eat. Um, and there's, there's discussion about it. Uh, there's really no discussion about it in the majority of the church world. In the church world, it's pretty much set that that's part of the law that was nailed to the cross that was too difficult to do, so Jesus nailed it to the cross, and we don't have to do it anymore. Hallelujah. Okay? Um, and then you get... In uh, Messianic Judaism, you also get a, a subset within Messianic Judaism. It says the, those types of laws, all of the Torah, uh, the laws of Moses, including the laws of uh, Kashrut, kosher, uh, still apply today to everybody, to all believers, Christian or, or otherwise. And uh, they're both wrong. <laughs> In fact, I think everybody's wrong about it, <laughs> which is okay because at the end of the day, the Lord's going to come, and he's the one that's going to be right, and we're all going to be like, okay, I thought I had it right, but I was wrong. And that's okay. It says in one place, uh, Paul shares, he says, he put everybody under, under sin, so at the end of the day, nobody can boast. So I think every teacher out there is going to be like, okay, I got it wrong at the end of this thing. Um, and he's going to surprise us all about a lot of different things when he comes. But uh, I'm going to share a little bit about the, the kosher laws. Um, I'm also going to share a little bit about the role of Torah in, in the life of, of the believer, in one rabbi's opinion. Um, so there's a, 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 mostly a, a feeling in the church world that uh, the Torah was done away with, with Yeshua and his death and his resurrection, because we're not dealt with according to law, we're dealt with according to grace. We are dealt with according to grace, but grace doesn't mean the law goes away, it means the punishment goes away. That's what grace is. I mean, if you break the law, if you speed, the cop can either give you the ticket which you deserve, or he cannot. He can either deal with you according to the law, or he could deal with you according to grace and say, I'm going to let you go. And God deals with us so much according to grace. But it doesn't mean that the law went away. In fact, all of the portions in the New Testament which seem to speak against the law, 
against the Torah is speaking against what we read in Acts 15 in the Council of Jerusalem when they were Orthodox Jewish slash Pharisee believers who were saying all these Gentiles that are coming in, they have to get circumcised and keep the whole thing before they're included in the community. And the answer to that amongst the, the, the leaders of the time, Paul and Peter and James, was a resounding no. Heck no. We don't need for them to do that. These pagans are coming out of paganism. These Gentiles are coming out of paganism. And we don't need to burden them with all these things. It's completely clear that it's not a mandate from the Lord for people that are accepting faith to all of a sudden, okay, now the 613 commandments you have to, you have to do. It's absolutely clear. But it doesn't mean the laws went away. Okay? He, with the punishment for breaking them went away. Because Yeshua took the punishment onto himself. But the laws are eternal. But just because God, through the apostles, was not concerned that the believers, that they kept kosher, that they kept the holidays, you know, just because he wasn't concerned about these new believers that came in, it doesn't mean that the law goes away. Okay, so where am I going to go with this? I don't know where I'm going to go with this. So in this day, you have people from the church, from the nations, who feel a pull, a tug to start to keep some of these things. I mean, I didn't drag any of your butts here, but here you are on Shabbat. So why is that? It's because the Lord is pulling you here. It's because the Lord is telling you in his spirit, maybe there's something here for me. These are my roots. And I want to graft in to the root of this thing. If that is you, it is of the Lord. But if you are in the church and you're like, no, 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 no. No, 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 not guilty because we have to go by the scriptures. We have to go by the rulings of the apostles that said you don't have to do these things. If 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 keeping kosher and all these things was really important to Paul and to Peter and to all these all these people, it would have been much more explicit in the New Testament. It would have been much more explicit. But these days, God is calling people to do it. Why? I believe it's going to be part of the salvation of Israel. It's going to be part of what's going to bring Jewish people to faith in Messiah. Because one of the roles of the church, according to Romans, is to provoke the Jews to jealousy. And over the past 2,000 years, the church has done a pretty good job at provoking them but not necessarily to jealousy, and they are not provoking them to jealousy with Christmas and Easter and pork chops and shrimp scampi. 
So I believe it is an end times move that God is doing because ultimately the salvation of Israel is assured. And ultimately, as it says in Romans 11, the, the, the church, the people are grafted in to the olive tree as wild branches. And that is happening in these days. And I believe that as, as people come out of the church, or not necessarily come out of the church, but feel a need to celebrate Shabbat, to celebrate the holidays, to keep kosher, it's something that the Lord is doing in these times, which I believe will bring about the salvation of Israel and the Jewish people. And you will be used in that way. I strongly Believe that. So we can be set free from feeling that the church is all messed up because they keep it on Sunday. If the Lord wanted them to keep it on a specific day and keep the holidays, it would have been much more clear in the New Testament, we would have seen the apostles, the writers say, you have to do this. But we don't see it. We see a, a story where the Orthodox believers, the Jewish believers said they do. And the answer was no. At best, it was not yet. Because there's one place in the book of Acts that says, that says they're going to learn about Moses in the synagogue anyway. Which kind of can hint at they were going to join into Judaism. But you can't just build a theology about the, the, one, the one verse. So, so it is not a requirement in that way, but it is a calling. It is a calling to do that. So now let's move on to the kosher laws themselves. There are some misunderstandings about the kosher laws from the New Testament that we're going to clear up right now. Yeshua never called unkosher foods kosher. Never did. He would not change the laws. Never. There's a couple of scriptures that are normally defined as he did, that like he did that. But we can go through it. There's a Bible. So the first scripture that speaks about the kosher laws, and, and it seems that it has to do with, this, with, it, with Yeshua declaring it all clean, is Matthew 15. And I'm just going to read what the context is. I'm just going to read it. So here it is. It's pretty popular. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Yeshua and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders. Remember, there's a difference between tradition and law. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered, why, why do you yourselves trans, transgress the commandments for the sake of the tradition? So why are you putting tradition over the laws? And he gives examples of how they do that regarding instead of honoring their father and mother, they take their money and they, they use it for sacrificial purposes, but not to honor their parents. And then he says, 
hear and understand. It's not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man. It's what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles the man. And then the disciples said, do you know that the Pharisees are really offended by that? They got really upset. And he said, you know, every plant which our heavenly father did not plant shall be uprooted. They're blind guys leading the blind. And then Peter said, explain this to us. Explain this parable to us. And Yeshua answered as he always does. What, you don't understand still? Hello? And he says, do you not understand that everything goes into the mouth, passes into the stomach, and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slanders. These are the things that defile the man. And here's the end of it. But to eat with unwashed hands do not defile the man. The context of what I just read is about tradition over law, And they were having a dispute about tradition. And the conclusion is it is okay to eat without washing your hands. Because it is a Jewish tradition unto this day that you have to wash in a certain way, which actually came from what the priests have to do. So there's a tradition unto this day that there needs to be a ceremonial washing of the hands before you eat. And Yeshua is saying that is tradition. Food is clean whether or not you wash your hands. Okay? That is the context of what he is saying. In no way is he saying unkosher food is now kosher. He is not saying that. The next um, scripture that's used to say that unkosher food has now become kosher is Acts 10. And we know the story. uh, Peter had a vision of unclean animals coming down on a sheet. And the voice in the vision said, go ahead, Peter, eat. And Peter said, I've never eaten this unto this day. No, I won't, Lord. Now, first of all, why did Peter say, no, I won't eat? This thing happened, this experience happened about 10 years after Yeshua's death. 10 years after Yeshua's death. And he's saying, I've never eaten these unclean animals unto this day. I mean, if anybody would know that Yeshua said the unkosher animals are now okay to eat, it would be him because he walked with Yeshua. But here it is 10 years after. He says, oh, no, I've never eaten anything like this before. He said, no, Lord, I will not eat it. And then God said, don't call what I've called what was unclean. What I've cleansed, don't call unclean. And this happened three times, it says. But he didn't come from that vision and say, oh, I guess I can go eat a shrimp scampi. He pondered it. And he's like, what did this mean? He didn't understand it. And then three men came to him. And that's that's in alignment with the three times he saw the vision, because that's how the scriptures work with visions. um, Sometimes things happen for a certain number of times, and that equates to a certain number of something that's going to happen. Um, So three men came, and they invited to the house, and that's where Cornelius was. And Cornelius said, the Lord told me to have you come and share. And he shared about Yeshua, and the Ruach HaKodesh, Holy Spirit, fell on the household. And he went, I get it. What God has cleansed, don't call 
unclean. So the whole thing about the unclean animals was a vision and a metaphor for how he cleans people from the nations who are otherwise who would have otherwise been unclean. He brings them in through their acceptance of Messiah and his sacrificial death. They become clean, kosher, when before they weren't. And he said that explicitly. He said, God showed me through this not to call any man unclean or unholy. It had nothing to do with food. Okay? Okay. (laughs) So, what else do we want to talk about? So, um, and this is something, again, that's, and I am okay wherever you are with these things. Because these things, in my mind, are not areas of, should not be areas of division. It should not be areas of division. Okay? Because we're all kind of in different places with these types of things and the role of, of Torah in the life of the believer. There's one belief about, about the Torah that that's very common in 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 the in the church is that well number one it's that the torah was nailed to the cross have everybody heard that one the torah has been nailed to the cross so we don't have to do it anymore that cannot be the case it cannot be the case because so much of the torah are moral laws that are spoken about even in the new testament I mean, what are some of the moral laws that are listed in the New Testament that Paul or Yeshua spoke about? Like, don't fornicate and don't hate, uh, don't be jealous. Where did that emanate from? It's all Torah. It's all Torah. Yeshua said, love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Was that nailed to the cross so we don't have to do it anymore? That makes no sense. The whole concept of the Torah was nailed to the cross so we don't have to do it anymore is it makes literally no sense. It's, it's asinine because, because all of the righteousness that the New Testament speaks about all is Torah. It's all Torah. It's impossible that righteousness was nailed to the cross. We're called to live righteous lives. It was not nailed to the cross. As I said, the punishment for breaking it was nailed to the cross. So then you may think, okay, so it it wasn't all of the Torah that was nailed to the cross. It was just the ritual aspects of Torah that was nailed to the cross. Well, if if Yeshua saved us only from keeping kosher and from keeping Passover, his, his death was pretty ineffective, honestly. Because staying away from pork chops is pretty easy compared to staying away from pornography and he didn't nail that to the cross he nailed the punishment if we break it to the cross so if he only nailed the easy stuff to the cross that doesn't make any sense either right so he didn't take laws and turn them into non-laws. And he didn't tell people that keep the law to not keep the law, that you don't have to anymore. 
So it's a mystery. I'll leave that there. But there's some things about the kosher laws, the laws of clean and unclean, which I'm going to go into a little bit of some of the, some of the teachings around that, not as much as like what to eat and what not to eat, but some of, the, some of the, the revelation that comes from the kosher laws that we read in this week's Torah portion. Uh, the first thing um, that I see in it is that the Torah portion starts an amazing Torah portion. So we've gone through a lot of the, the in the Torah, and for those who are unfamiliar, we read uh, a portion of the Torah every week, and that's been happening in synagogues for millennia. I said millennium the other week. And Susie went, that wasn't right. It's millennia. So we've been reading in the Torah portion how uh, it's, it's been very sequential up to this point. And we read a lot about, so, so God started to instruct about the priests and about the tabernacle, which in Hebrew is the Mishkan, and all the laws pertaining to it and how to build it and what it's built out of and what the priests are supposed to wear. And all of a sudden, finally, in this Torah portion that we're reading this week, it's finally built. It's erected. The first sacrifices are made. Within it, Aaron blesses the people with his special blessing for the first time. And God comes down in fire, consumes the offering, and revival breaks out. His glory comes into the Mishkan. The people fall on their face in worship. It's absolute revival. Until... Aaron's sons, Nadav and Abihu, take a census with some fire that the Lord did not instruct and did what they were not instructed to do, and God zapped them and they died. This is on the first day of the job. And Aaron couldn't even mourn because he was, had the anointing oil on him. He had to finish his service. He could not stop. And Moses said, don't stop. And then God says, I'm going to be holy around you no matter what. That's pretty much what he said. I am going to be holy. After that experience, when God said, I'm going to be holy around you and I'm going to make myself holy amongst the people, and the people are going to be holy. He immediately started to teach about the laws of kosher. Because in our lives, we need to separate clean and unclean. We need to know how to do that. And God at that moment said, when, when Nadav and Abihu did what is wrong, he said, I'm now going to teach you how to distinguish between right and wrong. And the way he did that was to teach him how to distinguish between clean and unclean animals. And I believe, why do we keep Torah? Why do we still do it? Something that I feel the Lord spoke to me about personally is that when you do it, when you keep the Torah, you are intersecting with a spiritual reality pertaining to that law. 
So I feel for me that God tells me to keep kosher, to distinguish between clean and unclean animals as a practice to help me distinguish between clean and unclean in the world. Because God wants us to make that distinction, to know, to be able to identify unclean, keep away, and clean, permissible. And the exercise of that is keeping kosher, according to the law, the Torah. It's interesting that it's called unclean and clean. And it makes me wonder because in the New Testament, we see Yeshua taking care of unclean spirits. Demonic spirits called unclean spirits. And the word unclean in the Hebrew context has significant meaning. We can lose that meaning when we read the New Testament without our Hebraic Jewish understanding. But unclean has a specific role and meaning according to Torah. And I'm not saying this is what it is, but it makes me wonder if when God said to stay away from things in the Torah that he called unclean, that he knows that by doing these things, it's somehow intersecting with unclean spirits. Is there a connection between doing the things in Torah that says are unclean and the unclean spirits that the New Testament speaks about? I'm not sure, but I think it's really interesting that they're called unclean spirits. Another teaching about kosher is that we have to watch as believers what we consume. The world is always trying to feed us trash. Trash. Unclean trash. And we need to consume what is clean. Scripture does not say you are what you eat but you kind of are. And does anybody just in in their walks relate to a season where you're feeding yourself with unclean things and it affects your soul? This is what kosher teaches us, to distinguish between the clean and unclean. There was a time in my life where I struggled with pornography and I prayed to the Lord about it and I really felt that he said to me, keep kosher. And by doing that, I will teach you how to distinguish between what I say is clean and what I say is unclean. It's not a magic science here. I'm not saying that's your answer all the time for things that you may be struggling with. But I did feel him speak to me about that. There are things we can learn about the animals themselves. It says that they have to have cloven hoof, which is an exterior, outside um, characteristic, and they have to chew the cud, which is an inside thing. 
So there's an outside characteristic, an external characteristic, and an internal, and it must have both to be considered kosher. Because if you have the outside characteristic of what's kosher, but not the inside, you're like the Pharisees who dress a certain way, but inside they're like tombs, as Yeshua said. Or you can have it inside, but not outside. You can have Yeshua within you, but you're doing things that you should not. This is why the unkosher animals have an external characteristic and an internal characteristic. The fish have fins and scales. All the, all the fish that are edible, they, 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 they could swim to the top. And the ones that are not kosher, they're all the bottom dwellers. That represents earthly, that represents flesh. You're not allowed to eat all the things that crawl on the ground. It actually says that crawl on their belly. That's what it said about the serpent in the garden. There's an interesting rabbinic teaching that says in the messianic age, when Messiah comes back and establishes his kingdom, This is a traditional belief in Judaism that pigs are going to become kosher. But then there's debate about, well, how can that be? God's not going to change his own laws. The laws are eternal. And they say, okay, if this is going to happen, that means that pigs, which... That means that pigs who already have the cloven hoofs but don't chew the cud will start to chew the cud. So if you're walking around and you see a pig and the pig starts going like this and then swallows and then goes and starts to chew again because that's what chewing the cud is. It's just like a multiple-time digestive process. So should we be when we read the Word of God. We don't just take it, consume it, and move on. We, 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 we digest it. We, cons- we, we bring it up. We chew on it some more. We digest. We bring it up. We chew on it some more. So is the kosher animal. So if you ever see a pig swallowing and then puking it up and swallowing it and puking it up, you know that Messiah is coming close. <laughs> It says in this Torah portion, it's a really interesting thing. It says that if, uh, if, a, if, an unco- if a carcass of an unkosher animal falls on a seed, the seed remains clean. No, this, yes, the seed remains clean unless water comes on the seed and then it becomes unclean. There are so many things in the world that are unclean, but if you don't have Messiah in you, you don't know that it's unclean, so they're not guilty. So it's clean to them because it doesn't make them unclean because they don't know. They don't have the relationship. But once the water comes on the seed, Yeshua is the water. It becomes unclean. It also speaks about an unclean carcass falling into a a pot. If the pot is just like an earthen pot, the pot becomes unclean. But if it's a cistern with water in it, it does not become unclean. What does this speak to? Yeshua is the water and he lives within you. And you must understand this. 
Uncleanliness does not touch Yeshua. This is why he went to the leper, and when the leper needed salvation, he went and touched the leper, which according to Torah makes you unclean. But the one who cleanses touches the leper. I've said here many times in the teachings about the lepers, because the lepers in Scripture, in the Torah, were very, very unclean. They didn't just have a flu like my wife and, you know, and Val and, and some others that are suffering right now with the, 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 the flu and have to stay home. It wasn't just a cold. When they had leprosy, they had to be removed from the camp. They had to walk around announcing their uncleanliness. If you read in the Torah, they had to go around going, unclean, unclean, unclean. So the leper in the New Testament surely was doing that. Unclean, unclean, this big announcement how unclean he is. And all the righteous people were like, okay, I know to stay away now. Not Yeshua. Not Yeshua. He hears that call, not as a call to say, okay, I'm going to stay away, but a call to draw near. Because if there's water in the cistern, the carcass does not affect the vessel. And he is the living water. So Adonai, whatever it is that you wanted to come forward today that was of you and good seed, I pray, Adonai, that it, it, it sits in the soil of people's hearts. Anything that was not of you, that was wrong, I pray that it falls down and dies. But anything, Lord, that came forward today that you desire to come into our hearts and to, and to find lodging in soil and to grow, we release it to you, Lord God, and to you, Yeshua, the living water, to water it. In Yeshua's name, amen.